electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. starts right now live from the Nasdaq market site overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lear. Traders on the desk are Pete Najarian, Tim Seymour, Sue Grasso, and Guy Adami. Tonight on Fast, a big night for earnings. NVIDIA and Disney reporting moments ago. Both those conference calls underway right now. The stocks are volatile in the after-hours session. Disney shares climbing back after initially selling off. We'll tell you why in just a moment. And James Stewart, author of Disney War and Fast Money Friend, will be here with instant earnings reaction, plus how likely he thinks the AT&T Time Warner deal is to go through. But first, we start off with stocks getting slammed, the Dow sinking as much as 250 points at the lows of the day before climbing back. Still, the worst day for the Dow and the S&P in two weeks. This is the Senate GOP finally revealed the bill for its tax cut plan. So let's get to Elon Moy in D.C. for a breakdown on the details that moved the markets today. Hi, Elon. Hi, Melissa. Well, the big news in the Senate plan was that it delays the corporate tax rate cut by one year. It won't take effect until 2019, and then it'll go down to 20 percent. The House also passed its version of a tax bill out of committee, and there were some significant changes to, way, to the way that it addresses the corporate tax code as well. The House version of the bill would raise the repatriation rate from 5 and 12 percent to 7% for non-cash assets and 14% for cash assets. It also would implement a new lower rate for small businesses that have income less than uh, $75,000. On the individual side, there are also some significant differences between the two plans as well. The Senate version of the tax bill would include seven tax brackets for individuals. The top rate would be cut to 38.5%. The Senate bill also totally repeals the state and local tax deduction. And it also would keep the estate tax but double the individual exemption from $5 million to $11 million before that tax kicks in. So these are some of the flashpoints that will be debated over the next few weeks. But Republicans making some real progress here in tax reform and taking victory laps this afternoon. Back over to you, Melissa. All right, Elon, thank you. Elon Moy in Washington. So what do you guys think investors heard today that had them so spooked but then had them later buying the dip? Well, I think ultimately we needed to get more detail. It's interesting to see that these guys are finding some flexibility. Look, playing around with the estate tax is there's some big numbers at work there, especially when you're willing to project. I think it's a very emotional issue. Uh, I think the market, I'd rather talk about the other side was what the market was doing going into that. It's not to me just about taxes. Uh, I think you also have the midterm elections. I think you have a lot of dynamics with earnings season. I think you've had a lot of great news. I think you have fed uncertainty. So uh, when you layered in the tax numbers, that gave a market today every reason to pull back. And why not? Bullishness is at an all-time high. Yeah, I, I don't think it had anything to do with anything other than tax today. I think, you know, the, the, the market wants to see literally two hours ahead and behind itself. Mm-hmm. And I think the corporate tax being pushed off to 2019 was something that they focused on. They sold the market off on that news. And then the market said, you know what? We're still getting something in this tax bill. And hopefully we can get it passed. It's not passed. It's not passed yet. So it's a big if, but that's still bullish. 
I think the progress, I mean, Elon talked, that that's the word that I took away. I mean, there seems to be progress. So there were a number of reasons why the market could have continued to go lower today when it was at its trough down 250 in the Dow, and it didn't. Why? Because I think they seem to be pushing this thing forward, and it seems to be working with a finer point towards things. So I think that's the takeaway. Look, the VIX at one point, Pete could talk about this, was over 12, closed at 10 and a half. So for all the things that could have gone wrong today, I actually thought it was a pretty decent day. And the VIX remains in this tight range. I think going back, I think that what spooked the market is 2019. People, none of us, I don't think, were looking for a number like that. Somewhere in 2018, great. That, you know, not, so, not such a big problem. Maybe even retroactive, right? right? All of that. Put, but I think what happened is, as we're down 240, 250, people started saying, okay, now what? So now it's back to the facts and fundamentals. Well, the facts and fundamentals of what's happened so far in the earnings season is we've got global growth. We've got uh, a lower dollar. We've got money that's being spent by companies for the future. Mm -hmm. There's all of the positives that we're hearing. And we see this earnings season, which for the most part has been pretty spectacular, in my opinion. Across the board, industrials, financials, housing, you name it, that's been strong. So from the facts point of view, people probably were looking at certain names saying, you know what, I'll buy that. But, but Okay, but so are you ready to buy the fact that they get something through? And I'm not saying tomorrow, but the right. point is you are talking about as someone who says they're going to get something done and the market's going to be fine. The other stuff you mentioned is very important, but Steve's saying the market was struggling with taxes. Yeah. Do you think that this is a buy? I think, I, I think if, it's, if they're getting punished enough, it's a buy. I, I don't know that we saw enough punishment in the market today. Yeah. When we were down, we're down 1%. Right. Now, that's, that's a down day. Three or four or five percent like would was, be something. But it felt like it was three or four Only because, because we haven't had it. We're not going to be having it. But the question here is, is it a reason to buy the markets? Is there a reason to sell the markets? I mean, if we were baking in and strategists on Wall Street for what they're worth were baking in, sometime 2018, as you had mentioned, a corporate tax rate of 20 or 25 percent, doesn't that add to their EPS estimates? Right. Don't we have to strip that back out? Doesn't that put pressure on multiple yeah. cents? Yeah. Strip out Shouldn't some of it. How about some of the growth that we're already seeing? Tony Dwyer had a note out today that called it a Sanford and Son market. And what does that mean? That was one of your favorite shows. Uh, one of my all-time favorite shows. Mom, was was and guy. Fred I mean, Sanford was yeah, reaching yeah. for his heart all the time, but it was always in jest, and it right. never really actually turned out to be the thing. That's like what this market is. That's what Tony you Dwyer's point was. You have to decide how much, to Melissa's point, you have to decide how much is in the market. Right. Because all the taxes, tax reform, were not was not in the market already. So you have to strip I've out. never felt like much of it at all is in the market, quite so, honestly. So, so then you're happy buying the market down whatever it was today, which felt like five percent even and, though it's one and it was one percent so to tim's point you can buy this market to pete's point on fundamentals when tax reform doesn't give you that bang for your buck literally but if it doesn't pass you're going to have a knee-jerk reaction to the downside it might be one percent again right. but it's going to feel awful lot like three to five Look, Pete, i totally agree with you on the global fundamentals i agree with you even on the fundamentals for this economy but you can't tell me that it's not in the market somewhat. And when I look at what's going on with the transports, which are down 4.5% since mid-October, when I look at retail, when I look at financials, um, and I look at the IWM, which is down 4.5% since the start yeah, of Tim, September. how could you see it's in the market? I would These say guys this. haven't done if, anything. But, but, They've but, fallen but, flat on their face from healthcare to tax reform. You have, you have the That's fractures. why those things have all pulled back, though. But you, no, had, you had peak yeah, sentiment so six weeks ago. It's in the market. So how can tax reform be in the market if you have a Well, there are two ways of looking at what is in the market. Has has the market risen to reflect the expectations? Or the other way of looking at it is, mathematically, have strategists plugged that into their EPS estimates for next year? I don't think they earnings? can. And I, and I would, that, you know, I'm not a strategist. We've had plenty of, we've right. had plenty we've of, had a lot of guys sitting right here. Right there. Who said that that's going to add this much to EPS? Right. I, mean, I think the one thing that my pushback with you on this would be, 
If it's already baked into the market, then if tax reform is, and if it's as big a catalyst as I think it is, why were we down 1% and only finished down half percent if it's pushed out a year? I mean, I don't think it's baked into the market at all. I mean, if some, maybe at there's all a is what I would take issue with. I don't. Yeah. I, we don't know what. Or it's if it look isn't like. small, because we're down a half percent when we pushed out another year. But I, I mean, but we I, pushed it out a year. But I look at a rampaging. I, that's right. I said rampaging. I like IWM, well, which, which would basically rampaging. Rampaging. <laughs> rampaging. Yeah. What's, what's oh, not understand? Look, the, the IWM was on a tear. <laughs> it was clearly representing uh, the, the greatest. Uh, focus and the greatest recipient of what would happen from a tax bill. It's the small, it's the small business in this country. Um, you can't tell me that the IWM, where earnings are not necessarily getting ratcheted higher, should have been trading like it was. Yeah. I'm not saying it's all in there because we don't know what all it Minimally, is. Yeah. But it's clearly a disappointment if you don't get anything. Well, something's got. In terms, I, I agree on the Russell front. I mean, think about it. the IWM. The Russell was 130. Rampaging. Oh, rampaging. <laughs> it was that over the summer. You know, it, it printed 150 the other day. I mean, it's an. And, the Russell was anticipating something, and I would submit it probably comes in the form of, of all the tax talk that's been band, bandied about over the last month and a half, two months. So I think it's in there somewhere. And, I, you know, my concern would be the continued flattening of this yield curve, which is happening at a, an, mm -hmm. I'll use the word, alarming rate, and the fact that the utilities are stubbornly high. So, again, we talked about it last night. If the, the utilities are telling one story, I think, and I think the economy is telling you a different okay. story. What we know about tax, yeah. we don't know a lot about tax. Right. What we do know we about know tax in terms of the impact on the markets is that it has been a source of volatility every single time there's been something on tax, right? A delay of the corporate tax rate. We heard that before. That caused the markets mm -hmm. also to pull back. So at this point, how do you trade this market? What are you doing knowing that tomorrow a headline can drop, it could be down 1% right. because and of... And I'm hoping one, And I think we will get that headline. I don't know what it's going to take to push the market right. down 3%. But a 1% move to the downside on the lows and only to finish down less than 100 points lower, I don't think there was many opportunities out there. I mean, you can look across. The, one, the opportunities that were out there really weren't opportunities because those are the stocks that have missed on earnings. Those aren't the ones I'm talking about. I'm talking about the companies that have come out, they've crushed it, and going forward, and this is not baked into those numbers going forward, in my opinion. I think some, I mean, you can look at the financials, you can look at the industrials, you go across the board, you're going to find stocks that if they were punished, I think that's an opportunity, but I didn't see that today. What did you do today? Look, you're supposed to be buying financials in this environment if you think this is a market that's going to possibly get tax reform, but at the very least, we're talking about global you know, the global economy, we're talking about the U.S. economy. These are financials that are getting punished by the yield curve when, I, you know, look, if the Fed's going to be raising rates, just be clear, net interest margins for banks are going higher. They're going to make more money in this environment. Banks have been the most sold off, and I would be buying weakness in transports, especially the blue chips, especially FedEx, especially UPS. What did we hear from the House's bill? They were ratcheting down that mortgage interest deduction from a million to 500,000. The Senate plan didn't, ha didn't have that. So Pulte is up 70% year-to-date. I'm still along it. Take another look at Pulte. Take another look at the whole complex home builders. I think they're attractive now. They were sold off wrongfully. Yeah, I mean, on the week, they're up 2%, the ITB, that is. We talked about Square Steve's name for last night. They reported, and one of the things we said is if, they're, if the market is unable to sell this stock off on this quarter, it's going to continue the tra trajectory higher. Oh. And look at what it did today. Basically opened effectively on the lows, closed effectively on the highs. Want to say it made a new all-time high today. If not, it was pretty close. I'm pretty significant volume leads me to believe a name like that is getting ready for its next leg higher. Coming up, it is a huge night for earnings. We start off with Disney. Shares of the Mouse House climbing back after initially dropping after hours. The stock is now 
up about a percent. Call it the Magic Kingdom. Jim Stewart of the New York Times will be here. We'll get his take on the quarter and the AT&T deal. Plus, check out shares of NVIDIA also on the move in the after-hour session. A top technician says there is something in the charts that makes this a screaming buy even at these levels. He'll tell us what that is. And later, retail surviving its judgment day after earnings from Macy's and Kohl's sent the stock soaring. But Nordstrom is falling after hours. We will tell you what it could mean for the group of stocks. We're back on this very busy Fast Money. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Fast Money. NVIDIA shares higher after its earnings report. Let's get to Josh Lifton in San Francisco for the details. Hi, Josh. Well, Melissa, you know, this, this call really just getting started here. The company's executives calling out uh, data center revenue more than doubling from a year ago at $501 million, uh, a growth of about 20%. They called out AWS and Oracle Cloud as key customers there. Gaming revenue, $1.56 billion in the quarter. That was up 25%. They mentioned on the call eSports fan base, now $350 million. Also, Nintendo Switch console, they said, continues to attract momentum, which uh, depends on NVIDIA's GPUs. Automotive division grew. 13%. Also, with Intel hiring, uh, recently announced that they hired AMD's ex-graphics head. It'll be interesting to see, Melissa, whether that comes up on the call as well and what that means for NVIDIA's competition. Back to you. All right. Thank you, Josh. Josh Lipton in San Francisco. Pete, what'd you make of uh Well, once again, it's, it, the, the semis are an area that you want to be in. And I continue to watch this incredible earnings season we've had out of That was the area that got absolutely pummeled when the Nasdaq was getting pummeled. Today. Right. And, and the opportunities there to buy, I think, were incredible. I mean, you go back to the Micron days, a guy talked about it forever. 32 and a half was the high, and it just couldn't get through there. Once it broke, we've watched Micron move to the upside, Intel moving to the upside. The names in the, in the semi-area have been able to beat, they've been able to raise, they've been able to give great guidance going forward. I think that's the names you stick with. Now, NVIDIA is a tough one just because of the fact that you get that multiple. They've got incredible growth. Up we see it. Two percent, right? Think. But you see the growth, and the growth is absolutely incredible. It's like an Under Armour, though. When that growth ever starts the deceleration, that's, wait, wait, right, that, that is, is quite, quite a comparison. comparison. It, well, I'm just saying, <laughs> yeah. when you have you great growth, here's the comparison. When you have great growth, it's fine right. as long as that's accelerating growth. But you know what the Intel, once it decelerates, course, then it look at the, Under Armour from 52 to 10. When you see the Intel AMD collaboration. They didn't collaborate with NVIDIA because they were worried about NVIDIA. NVIDIA was too strong. It's up 92% year-to-date. If you want to play a higher beta move, you know, we all know that they have that blockchain ability. But NVIDIA is truly the beast in the space, and I think you stick with it. All right. For more on NVIDIA and the chips, let's get to Chris Verona, Strategus Research Partners. He's at the Plasma for his earnings uh, reaction. Hey, Chris. Hey, nice to be here, Melissa. I think when we look here, what's most important is the stock acted so well this morning. Bottomed around noon, like the market, drifted higher all day, back to the highs of the day, 208. We have to put this move in context, Go When we look at NVIDIA longer term, I think one of the big compelling aspects here, every time they've tried to sell it, what happens? It comes right back. The 50-day average has been great support all year. That's 189 uh, on this chart. We think ultimately 220 still in play by the end of the year. I think when we put this move of the semiconductors in uh, here, we look all the way back to 1999, finally bumping up against 17-year highs. The Nasdaq was here this year. It paused for a few weeks, resumed higher. We think the semis do the same thing. Why is that important for us? Because the semis are a great bellwether. This is the S&P over the last 10 years. Every decline in the S&P has been predated by weakness in semis. We saw it in 2007, 
We saw it in 11 as well, decline in the S&P. Semis rolled first. Semis haven't rolled yet. You stay bullish on the group. You stay bullish on the market. Chris, why don't you come on over? Right, Chris is in the pantheon. That was pantheon. a unilateral decision well, by Chris you. Chris is in the pantheon of uh, I love the way you said that. That's the best decision in your room, by the way. Yeah. 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 No, no, it. Look at that. Nice. Thank you, Chris. Um, so Pete made a, quite a daring comparison yeah. between NVIDIA and Under Armour. <laughs> and I'm wondering if, from a technical standpoint, there is any validity to this comparison. I don't see it, Pete. I hate to break uh, Under Armour, we know, has been on the softer side here. But what I do think he said is absolutely right. When we look at market action around the world, it's not about tax reform, right? Why are Japanese stocks at 25-year highs? Why is Hong Kong at 10-year highs? That has nothing to do with what's going on here. Right. It's about global growth. And, Tim, I think you're right on about banks here as well. Banks have been the weakest spot in this market uh, over the last week. Use this weakness to be a buyer of bank stocks. Use this weakness to be a buyer of semis. There's still a global bull market that's going on. My point on this Under Armour thing, just to clarify once yeah, yeah, and for yeah. all. <laughs> of course. Because I'm Under Armour, it like it's, it's, it's not that difficult. Uh, yeah. What I said was, sure. when you get a company that has incredible growth, but it starts to decelerate, that's when the punishment comes in. Look at the valuation level of sure. NVIDIA right now. It's because the acceleration has been off to the races. When we see that decelerate, people are going to say, wow, look at this PE of this company that's now starting to slow down. That's my comparison with Under Armour and NVIDIA. I, thought, wait, wait, I understood that, Pete. I mean, these guys. Well, are, okay, well, that didn't mean you then, but the rest of you. I think what's important about the stock, they've tried to sell this four or five times this year. Every time they try to sell it, right back a week later, two weeks later, new highs, until that pattern breaks, we have to stay long. But, but on some level, the, the, the robust move momentum-wise for NVIDIA maybe is the slightly... The move? The rampaging move, so thank you very that. much. Yeah. Um, so I mean, how about an Intel, which is really uh, almost yeah. gone parabolic? Would, would, would you rather, and again, relative value, I know I would rather, and I am, uh, be an Intel... Um, you did the whole thing. Also. It's like Look, a self- Anyway. No, anyway, well, I, and I will do. Let's think about this sector away from some <laughs> of the names that we all talk about every day. Intel just broke out of a 10-year base. Mm-hmm. This right. stock has been dead money for our career, right? Talk about NetApp just breaking out of a big base here as well. How about Cisco? Is that the next one that follows? Mm. So away Taiwan from, semi too away from Fang, away from semis, there's some really good charts still under the surface here. How do, how do bank stocks look overall? Until they break, you stay long. Okay. I think underappreciated here, the strength in Amazon the last several weeks, the strength in Facebook the last several weeks. And how about Apple? Uh, People were negative going into that number a few weeks ago. The stock comes right back and makes a new high. Until these hurt us, you have to stay involved. All right, Chris, thank you. Chris Verón, Strategus. He's right up there. He is. Of, Pantheon. In the Pantheon, right? Of Pantheon. Of Pantheon. He's this is like a great column of Pantheon, no? Great word. That's the Pantheon. Parthenon. You're, oh, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Pantheon. He's the guy. That's why I'm the guy. I'm anyway. just to help you out. I don't know, man. <laughs> How would you trade it? How would you so trade what, it? So what, what, what do you do when you put the mid on? Steve Grasso's doing one later. Fast pitch. But that's right, the mm. power pitch. And no, we talked about fast pitch. It's fast money, fast pitch. Cypress Semi. Cypress Semi. Then we talked about that. See, it comes out CY, and we talked about that. We said, look at this stock about to break out above the old, the, the old high it made in 2015. Now you have a great risk-reward in terms of CY against 16 bucks. Just reported a very good quarter. That's how I would continue to play it. Still ahead. Check out shares of Disney bouncing back after hours, erasing all of the losses. CEO Bob Iger just said something very interesting on the call about ESPN. We'll hear from him right after this break. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC, first in business worldwide. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast. It's done. Yes, Mr. Frodo. 
it's over now. That's what some traders hope is true with shares of retailers, which surged today off earnings. But will the bounce last? Plus, Steve Grasso is bringing the heat, pitching one stock that just tumbled 20% in just the past week. But he thinks the stock is now a double in the next year. The name when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Disney higher in the after-hour session. CEO Bob Iger speaking on the earnings call just moments ago. Julia Borson's in Los Angeles to tell us what Iger had to say about the quarter. Julia. Well, I think the stock is really moving because Iger has been talking about how they're investing in the future, especially in those over-the-top options. He said that the Disney app in 2019 will cost less than Netflix, saying that it will have less volume than Netflix, and that their intention is really to attract a large base for this Disney-branded app. And before then, they'll have the ESPN Plus app, giving it a name now, which will launch in the spring. Take a listen. We believe creating a direct-to-consumer relationship is vital to the future of our media businesses, and it's our highest priority this year. Our decision to acquire control of BAMTech enables us to launch robust DTC offerings and immediately provides us the tools we need to stream video at scale, to acquire and retain customers, to greatly enhance our advertising opportunities on digital platforms, and to use consumer data to provide a better user experience. Despite the media division's shortfall versus expectations in the quarter, Iger said he is bullish on the potential for ESPN. He also said he's pleased with the success of new OTT players out there, such as Hulu TV. Um, of course, Disney does own a percentage of Hulu. He also noted that overall subscriber losses weren't as bad as in prior quarters. The company said it would not comment on media speculation about Disney's interest in buying Fox's entertainment assets. But of course, there were a number of questions trying to get around that. Um, some questions about whether Iger thinks that Disney could make more, more money on TV. Of course, an allusion to Fox's TV assets. He said he thinks there's Apple opportunity to monetize programming. He was also asked if he thinks there's the potential to make more movies. I don't think that um, there's ever such a thing as having too much quality uh, or too many strong franchises when it comes to films. We do not feel right now that we have a great need to add to the film slate that we have because, as you cited, we're doing just fine. It doesn't mean there isn't room for more. We just don't have a, um, a, a significant uh, or urgent need for that. Iger also weighing in on acquisitions in general, saying acquisitions have been a key driver of Disney's achievements. Of course, saying that Marvel and Lucasfilm have totally transformed the company, and now he expects BamTech to transform the company, but no word on Fox. Back over to you. All right. Thank you very much, Julia Borston, uh, who's in Los Angeles uh, monitoring that call. It is amazing how mm. Disney has been able to change the narrative. It seems totally. like it seems like it's like totally. overnight, because we, we started off this earnings release with a miss and ESPN cuts. And by now, between that time and now, an hour and a half or so later, now the stock is up because everybody's focused on the streaming service. Disney says it's going to make TV series that will debut specifically on the streaming services based on its four main franchises like Monsters, Inc., High School Musical, Marvel. Stock is up. It's Which is amazing. why he's probably one of the best. If not, he's one of the top. We play the game top in the top ten. I have, I have three. In the pantheon of CEOs. But, okay. but I'll say this. Early 2016, Disney was trading 95 bucks. They reported a quarter that was miserable. Stock was trading 92 and a half in the after hours. He came on the call. Before we left the show that night, it was a $97 stock. was off to the races. This is the exact same thing. Why? They missed, folks. They missed on EPS, and they missed on revenues. And this is not the first time, but he changed 
the narrative. That's exactly right. He said what people want to hear. So I'm not suggesting it should be off to the races from here, but that's why he is the guy that he is. Look, the Fox deal, whether it happens or not, showed that he's ready to do something very aggressive, and this is a company that could pull it off and could integrate it. Uh, also, when you start talking about your streaming service and you say you're going to price it substantially cheaper than Netflix, that's what it says on the tape right now. That is something that, to me, not only should make Netflix very scared, but it should be very bullish for people that want to believe these guys are going to get into the distribution. They will have all the content they need. They just signed a new deal, a trilogy deal on Star Wars. I mean, they are ready to roll. And this, to me, it's about the multiple you want to pay. Uh, and I think you probably are paying a bigger multiple tomorrow, as Mel said, than you were yesterday. You mentioned Netflix. So, what, <coughs> excuse me, would you rather Disney or Netflix here? It's interesting. I, I think that Netflix <laughs> is going to take weakness on the chin. Uh, and, uh, and I think that they should not, because we're talking about a deal that's going to be happening potentially 2019. There's a lot of runway. There's a lot of green between now and then. And when Tim talks about, when you talk about how much cheaper it's going to be. It's very Amazonian of them to start pricing everybody out. I, I, would, I would not believe it's going to be but, as cheap as they're saying it's going to be. But again, we'll you say it's not happening in 2019. Markets don't wait around until 2019. Too far I mean, out. You, you want to talk about out. what's in the market, what's too, out of the market. There's no <laughs> way you price it in. There's a lot of hurdles do. they have to overcome. A and analysts, way, analysts are, are projecting earnings it, out to 2025. If they I mean, price it, uh, that doesn't crazy. mean they're right. If they price it so, so uh, much of a decrease over, over Netflix, the people are just going to buy both. People are not going to walk away from Netflix. Why you're, would you buy both you're gonna if have, you have all you need? You, and again, you we've argued that. Have over the top, well, so let me get into why Netflix, you know, should go down, not that necessarily whether analysts price and stuff from 2019 now, which they do. Um, ultimately, it's about Netflix, which lost House of Cards. Netflix, Netflix on, is on not a content play. It's so a distribution what, what, play. Would you rather Netflix from this point? You're, Disney's a trading range stock. It goes from 95 to 110. There's a lot factored in. Kudos to Bob Iger. So you don't I think believe in this whole changing the narrative thing that we just talked about for two minutes. No, I do. I do believe in it. But okay. what did you just say? Change in the narrative. Right. I didn't hear anything about fundamentals. I heard the story change. I think if there Show was a the mistake facts. made by Bob Iger during this whole run, it's been not buying Netflix years ago. And I, this was a stock that was my my fast pitch back in February. Stock was 110. Now here it is, 104. Wow. Call it. So I like this name. I continue to own this name. I sell calls against it. I get a dividend yield, all that. I think the fundamental story is there. Bam Tech is his big move. Mm -hmm. He kicked the tires on Twitter. He's been kicking the tires, obviously, on 20th Century Fox. I think the Fox thing actually makes the most sense. Gets him involved with Hulu, and that actually starts to give him an opportunity going forward. The streaming world is where they have lagged. That's where they need to but grow. But why, why can't ESPN Plus be its own animal? Oh, it can be. And oh, it will be. There, there's no doubt about it. No, I'm not arguing right. against that. I'm just saying he's late. He's late, and the Netflix let's, should have been the buy. Let's get more in Disney's quarter and bring in New York Times columnist, Pulitzer Prize winner, Fast Money BFF, Jim Stewart. <laughs> um, great to have you with us. What's yeah, your take on, you. on what's going on well, in the quarter? Well, I was fascinated by the earnings that immediately they plunged, went off a cliff. And then as Iger starts talking, it goes up, 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 up. So you have to really attribute that to his persuasive skills. And I think you're absolutely right. He is changing the narrative. He wants to be seen as a Netflix. He wants Netflix multiple. He wants to be seen as an Amazon. He wants to be given the time. I mean, investors are given Amazon forever to produce giant earnings. Uh, he's investing in the streaming. He doesn't want you focusing on the quarterly results. Now, looking at those briefly, the you know ESPN, which everybody's looking at, cable networks, not great, but not bad. It's not falling apart. It's got he's got some time to work there. Studio entertainment, really weak, but, they, you know, they didn't put out any movies in the quarter. They had some tough comparisons. The movie business is volatile. You know, it was steady as it goes, but that's not the growth people are looking for. 
The key is going to be streaming. How big is that addressable market? How much more revenue can they get and how much more profit by eliminating the middleman and going direct to the consumer? And that, if they can pull that off, it's a pretty big number. Now, I like this idea of pricing low. I mean, to persuade people to add, I mean, look, Netflix is there. Amazon is there. Absolutely, Disney is late. They know they're late. How do you get onto people's screens? You make it really easy and cheap initially, and then you see if you can get, you know, some price increases out of it. Um, what would you like to see Bob Iger buy, if anything, to make the streaming? Do you think he needs to do anything, do any acquisitions to make the streaming service a success? Well, he bought Bantech, and right. that is supposed to in solve terms of content that problem. Uh, in terms of content, I mean, you know, again, the, the Fox uh, deal is fascinating because it's not clear to me how much content is there. He gets some international distribution, probably. You know, he's talking about, should we be doing more movies? Does, does he need another movie studio? I don't think so. They're, they've got all the facilities there. They're not being fully utilized now. They're doing a strategy of fewer releases, blockbusters. There's only room for so many blockbusters in a season. You know, you, can only, you can't have 20 a year, really. If Disney already has a huge percentage of that market. Are they going to go down into the mid-range? You know, I don't think so. Nobody makes money at that. So that doesn't uh, impress me. There are content plays for, like, Marvel. There aren't many of those out there. Yeah. I don't think there are any left. Right. Um, we want to switch gears and talk about AT&T, Time Warner. Um, yeah. AT&T CEO Randall Stevenson spoke at the DealBook conference today addressing reports that the company would be forced to sell CNN as part of the deal with Time Warner. Let's take a listen to what he had to say. I have never offered to sell CNN. And I'll repeat what I said yesterday. There is absolutely no intention that we would ever sell CNN. So what's the truth here? Somewhere <laughs> Well, well this, is, this is a totally fascinating story. I mean, I wrote a column uh, when the deal was announced saying this is not going to be a no-brainer. It's not going to sell, sell through. There's a new, you know, antitrust wind blowing, which is the vertical merger is going to get more scrutiny, especially in the media space. I think the... Comcast, NBC deal, maybe the last one of those we see sail through without some substantial structural relief. So I'm not surprised that they're challenging it. That they would single out Turner, CNN as something that they would have to divest. That's what had every trust expert I talked to today is scratching their heads over that. Why are they picking that asset? If the problem is that they've got too much content that they're tying into their distribution platform, then why don't you go after HBO right. or why don't you go after the Warner studio? They're bigger than, you know, CNN, which competes in the news space and has plenty of competitors. So the elephant in the room, of course, is Trump's, you know, blatant comments about CNN and the idea that if you had to sell them, who right. is going to buy a Sinclair Broadcasting or somebody like that? You get it out of the hands of a owner like Time Warner, which has, you know, let CNN do its thing. You get into the hands of somebody that slowly or surely turns it into Fox Light. There is another option that the DOJ put forth, and that would be to sell direct TV. That's true. That's going. That that's on the other side, right. which is saying, okay, you want to keep the content, then you've got to like shrink your distribution platform. Uh, I think most people TV? feel that's a no, that's a non-starter because the cost to AT and T of that is really that's hitting them in the the business that they now have now. But it is. It is at least theoretically consistent. But again, if what DOJ is concerned about is scale and size, why don't they say, look, we don't care what, you choose the assets, but they've got to add up to X amount. And so why don't we negotiate about that? That's, that's what's surprising to me. Now, the alternative is if you really think this is too much power in one company, you just block the deal. You don't go saying, 
cherry-picking assets. Right. And I don't think the government should be in the business of telling any company this one. specific which piece of this you should get rid of. That's a business decision. I don't think that should be a political choice. Tim, thank you. Great sure. to see you. Jim Stewart, New York Times. Tim. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the CNN deal is, is something that is, is clearly politically motivated. I, I do think when you add up the sum of the parts in Time Warner, um, the, the, the problem here now is we really don't know what the value of those parts is anymore. You could, you could do this, I think, pre-merger, and I think some of these assets have been impugned by this deal. Um, bottom line, I think AT&T trading at five-year lows here is very interesting because there's a lot of upside here, and they've only priced in down. All right, still ahead, check out shares of Nordstrom. Volatile after hours, the stock has been bouncing in and out of negative, negative territory. We'll tell you what's behind this move. Plus, this once hot stock is down 17% this week alone. But Steve Grasso over here says the name is a screaming buy. Dare I say, a double. He'll give us his fast pitch later this hour. Much more fast money still ahead. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got an earnings alert on Nordstrom. Let's get to Courtney Reagan in the, uh, for the details. Courtney. Hi there, Melissa. So Nordstrom is the third department store to, re to report those results today, mixed as well. So the retailer beating analyst expectations for the top and the bottom lines, but also lowering or posting rather lower than expected comparable sales, down 0.9 percent. Analysts were only expecting them to be down about 0.2 percent. Now, Nordstrom also updating its full year guidance, lowering the high end of the range by five cents. But noting an expected six-cent hit from hurricanes to that full-year range. So Nordstrom Rack Division, that's the stores in the site combined. Comp sales there grew while the regular mainline Nordstrom stores in site combined saw comp sales fall year over year. Though on the call, co-president Blake Nordstrom said when you actually strip out the impacts from the hurricanes, the sales trends are the opposite. So consistent with recent trends at the full-price business, but the Nordstrom Rack business deteriorated relative to recent trends. Now, Blake Nordstrom also says that Rack had too much merchandise. The retailer was overly optimistic about what it could sell during the quarter, and then that impacted the department store's ability to offer new merchandise, leading in part to softer results. The retailer says it's fixed that, though, going into the fourth quarter. Melissa? All right. Thank you very much, Courtney Reagan. I go to Pete first because Pete was talking effusively last night mm. about the rack business. At the rack business. You love the rack. Yeah, the rack Which business. Was, and, and, yeah. the, and, and Right. And the <laughs> online business is what concerned me most, quite honestly, because you look at the rack business, you start looking at online, it was up 20% last quarter. Yeah. This quarter was up 14%. So that's a little bit concerning. I mean, I, I would have expected to see the online be a little bit stronger than that. And that, would, that, that made me start to say, ah, maybe yeah. they got to wait a little while and build this thing up a little bit better than they have. This was your final trade. It's a great final. Yeah, you know, it was up, I think last it was night. up over 4% on the day. It last, it, it was either side of unchanged. I think it's down a percent or so now. So there's enough for everybody in this quarter. I'll point out one thing. Inventories were up, I think, $2.4 billion or so. That's up 1% year over year. Sales growth was up 2%. What does that mean? I think next quarter their margins will improve. I do think a lot of this is attributed to weather, despite the online weakness. Mm. And i got to tell you something. There is a huge short interest still in this name. So the risk-reward still, to me, sets up well for Nordstrom's. I think going into the back half of the year, if we can miss another sell-off of 1, 2, 3, 4 percent in the overall market, you're going to see money go into the retail space as a laggard and it's everyone's betting against it but if you look at going into christmas i think this is going to be a huge tailwind for a lot of these guys where they were thrown out across the board jc penny pummeled i still own it Coles pummeled express pummeled look at these names 
Really quickly on Macy's, those were good numbers, but the fact that they're talking about monetizing means that dividend is safe. And again, the sentiment here is awful. Those were good numbers. I trade that one from the long side. And you're out of those Macy's calls that you yeah, had. Bought them yesterday, yesterday, out today. Yeah. Yeah. It was so nice. Ed, filthy. Felt good. Leading indicator for stocks breaking down, <laughs> but one trader's betting the pain might be over. We'll tell you what that means for the markets. Plus, Steve Grosso is over at the Plasma warming up to pitch a stock that's down 16% this week alone. He'll explain why he's doubling down on the name. Much more fast money still ahead. Welcome back to Fast Money. Check out car rental company Hertz soaring more than 9% in the after-hour session on earnings beat. And if you remember, back in August, our very own Steve Grosso made an extremely bold call on another big rental car company, Avis. This is what he said. I'm holding on to it because I do. When you just ask, where's it going? But it's, I think, I think it's a, how about this? How about this? It's a double from here. It's a double I, from here. All right. Let me ask well, you. mark your words. <laughs> wow. Oh, we did, Mark. His words, since that call, Avis had a strong run, jumping as much as 22 percent before erasing most of those gains, falling 17 percent in just the past week. So what now, Steve? First of all, I wasn't aware that we were recording these shows. That's number one. Imagine that. (laughs) So, so, yeah, let's just let's just take a peek at, at, uh, at what we're seeing on the action right now in the stock. So if you look at. What we've seen pr- prior to the hurricanes, hurricanes were a huge mess for these rent-a-car companies. And if you look at what, what's been going on, you had favorable used car pricing. That was leading into the hurricanes, not as a result uh, of the hurricanes. You have favorable fr- fleet costs, so they were lowering their overhead, lowering their costs. And you had favorable pricing trends. Prices were going up. If you look at the price action, this is a, this is a stock that came from these levels. This was a double already. It traded up basically up 105%. Yes, this is a little troubling, but I think the stock got ahead of itself. I'm still long the name. We started talking about this stock on air right in the lower 20s. This is an incredible move. I do expect, you got to remember, Deutsche Bank, J.P. Morgan, a day after this collapse, said their price targets are 47 and 48, respectively. This stock has a lot of room still to the upside. I remain long it. And if you're looking for some place to have this type of a gain going forward, car is the place to be. Hey, Steve, first of all, it's been it actually has been a really good call. And this pullback is certainly something that because of that run, you shouldn't be totally surprised by. So, you know, kudos on that. Um, but it gets back to the multiple. And why should you be chasing a stock right now that ultimately, I, you know, I, I realize the pricing uh, is starting to return to these guys. But to say that these guys could be trading in a multiple of, of their yesteryear, let alone where I think you think they're going, which is well in excess of that at a time when the entire industry has been disrupted, is confusing for me. Sure. So. Let's just break that down. I'll do it backwards. The disruption in the industry. People are worried about Uber. Uber and the rent-a-car companies don't overlap. Uber are, are quick trips, and the rent-a-car companies have to be in, the, in excess of 40 miles. So that's the market has gotten that wrong. But let's look back here. If you look to November, this is where the pricing mechanism really collapsed. So, Tim, the easy comps going forward in the next couple of months are going to be these comps right here. These guys are going to blow it out of the water. I think they were extremely conservative in their depreciation values. You had a mix, corporate leisure, 
that hurt them on their margins. You're not going to see that going forward. And I think they kitchen synced it. That's what we use. That's the term. I think going forward, you're going to see this stock at 40, 50, and 60, and ultimately 70 bucks. All right. Let's vote. Buying or selling Steve's pitch? Fast pitch for Avis. Guy, what do you say? Well, the double top at 40 scares me, but the fact that it traded from 40 basically down to 32 held, bouncing on the Hertz thing, leads me to believe Steve's onto something. So I will say car buy if it breaks 40, which is that old double top, then you're really in business there, folks. Tim? Steve's had a good call. It's had a big pullback. I don't see why you have to chase it here. In fact, I think there's structural issues there. Fleet costs are going higher. I am sorry. I am a seller. All right, split the tie, Pete. What do you say? Split it. I'd be a buyer. I like the pricing. Right. And you know what? I think something that we always <laughs> that have talked about, so the folks at home can see. There you go. And yeah. the thing we always talk about, and Steve addressed that, is Uber. And it not being as big a competition as a lot of us like to think that it is. That actually makes a lot of sense. So, Steve, you're on it, baby. All right, two buys, one sell on the desk. It is your turn to vote now. So are you at home buying Grasso's pitch on Avis? Log on to CNBC Fast Money. Vote in our Twitter poll right now. Right now. Plus, the leading indicator for stocks is breaking down, but one trader is betting the pain might be over. We'll tell you what it is and what it means for the market. Much more Fast Money straight ahead. Welcome back to Fast Money. Jack Dorsey speaking to CNBC's Andrew Ross Sorkin moments ago at the DealBook conference about President Trump's Twitter account being deactivated. The account was not removed. It was not suspended. It was deactivated, which is a very different state um, than uh, what you would assume. So it was not um, deleted. Um, it was put in a state waiting for the owner to come back to it and reactivate it. So did, did, the, did the owner, yes. otherwise the president, Yes. he came back to it? He came back to it. He came back to it. And what had it? And he reactivated it. Um, so and did they call you? Uh, we, we have conversations. We have conversations, yeah. What kind of conversations, Jack? Uh, so Twitter did buck the trend today. It was up a percent. You're long, right, Grasso? You have been long. I, I remain, yeah, I remain long. And I, I, I really think that it's benefiting from uh, increased user attentiveness, mm -hmm. let's call it that, and the fact that Snap seems to be having a whole lot of problems. It makes them look like the adult in the room. I will tell you, Jack Dorsey looks like he has the ability to hypnotize you when he speaks to you directly, does he not? I was practically hypnotized myself just listening to right there. I mean, <laughs> just like that. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Bye, uh, Twitter. Um, how about that 280 characters, though? The oh, have you noticed that you can now tweet a much yeah, you know, you have been especially tweet. windy on Twitter. No, you I are windy. They've doubled the characters. You know I'm, I'm a one. I'm, how many would you like? Like a 110 guy? I'm, huh? I'm a one <laughs> for one, 140, 141, whatever it takes. I'll say this. I like the little Quick. circle thing that goes round and, you know? instead of the characters counting down. When they reported October 26, stock traded 20 and a half. We said take profits in the name that proved to be right. If, if you buy it now on a breakout above 21. Switching gears, the market isn't the only thing selling off today. One of its leading indicators, the HYG High Yield Bond ETF, hitting its lowest level since March. The options market is implying more pain ahead. Mike Coe is here in the house at the Plaza to break it all down. Hi, Mike. Hi there. Yeah, so when I was looking at this a little bit earlier today, we saw well over three times the average daily put volume. In fact, I think by the close on some big prints, it traded four times the average daily put volume. What is interesting, though, was one of the trades that I saw that suggested perhaps that this might be almost over what we were seeing was a big sale. This is a pretty uh, big institutional product, actually, 
of the 86 puts in January and the 87 calls. I should probably be using a line like that. So basically, they're expecting it to be range-bound. It closed just below 87, but they collected $1.85. So that essentially means that they're expecting it to remain within this range. So just about the yearly high and just about last November's low is the range that they're looking for. But this is basically a bet that most of the damage is probably done. All right. Thank you, Mike. Mike Coe. Uh, for more options, action, check out the full show tomorrow, mm -hmm. 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. Special guest. You. Yeah. Up next, still time nice. to vote. Are you buying or selling Steve Grasso's pitch on Avis? We will reveal the final results right after the break. <laughs> Cue the drum roll. Time to find out whether you out there bought Grasso's pitch for Avis. And you know what I like to do when oh. I'm feeling a little sad and blue. I like to listen to Tony Braxton's oh. Ode to Pain and Sorrow. Oh. Unbreak my heart. That's exactly how Steve is feeling right now. America has passed big time on his pitch. 69% said, no, I am not buying. Remember, it's not the most popular. It's the most profitable mm. trade that we're concerned so with on this, uh, on this desk. By cool. the way, the stock is up 4% in the right after now. hours. So Hello. I don't know if you feel a little... Hello. Down. <laughs> Time for the final trade, Pete. Go with Temper Sealy. TPX comes out. This name's going higher. Some big buying in there today. Giddy up. We've had about a 15% correction in Brazil. EWZ will get you done, as Guy says. Mm. Over my life or Tony Braxton? Because the stock is up after hours, but America said no. So what's are the you, question? So what are you feeling? Are you having a time in your life? Yeah. I'm having a time in my life. Right. I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay. It's up. Uh, final trade, overstock.com. This is another one oh, wow. that might be up. On that screen, started talking about this one around 22 bucks. Time for send me back to you, Mel. See what? Wow. That's so quick. Wow. I'll be back. Thanks for watching. See back at tomorrow. More fast money. Meantime, Mad Money with Jim Kramer starts right now. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today.